Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gamison, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm so grateful for each of you who take the time to listen each week. And as we continue on in our Myths of Popular Christianity series, I hope that this has been a benefit to you, not just to you personally as you unpack some of this, but also as you engage with other people, that you'd be able to share with them the truth of the Scripture versus what someone claiming to speak the truth of the Scripture is sharing with you. And I think it's it's so important uh, because we need to know the genuine article so that we can come up against some of these false teachings that are occurring in modern Christianity. Now, as I said before, I know there's plenty of Bible-believing churches out there that are standing for the truth, and I hope that this equips them as well to be able to engage in these important conversations. Today we're going to talk about the myth that we can make ourselves better or we can make ourselves rise higher. And I realize that this seems a little bit repetitive, but I think a lot of these myths dovetail on one another. One of the major problems of the modern uh, popular Christianity trend is this idea that we can make ourselves better, or that the principles of Christianity apply across the board, when in fact, Jesus said, unless you have been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The whole premise of Christianity is that we don't have the power within ourselves to make ourselves better or to cause ourselves to rise higher. The premise is that only God can help us achieve that. So we will dig into what strength really means biblically in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about what is going on. Well, as you know, and we touched on a little bit last week, this past Saturday was September 11th. And there were a lot of ceremonies and um, remembrances that took place on that day. And one of the popular things that was happening um, is for organizations like the Young Americans Foundation and the local college Republicans at several colleges put out flags to remember the more than 2,700 victims of 9-11. Caught red-handed, a student senator from Washington University in Missouri appearing to dismantle a 9-11 memorial, removing American flags meant to represent the nearly 3,000 lives lost 20 years ago. What's up? Who are you? Okay. Kind of weird when some random person just walks up and photographs you. Well, I'm joined by the young man behind that camera who confronted that student, member of the Washington University Republicans, Nathaniel Hope. Nathaniel, it's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Jillian. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, so tell me what was happening here, because it appears as if he's removing these American flags that are supposed to represent the nearly 3,000 lost on 9-11 and putting them in trash bags. Very unfortunate. It was this past 9-11, and I was taking a morning walk. I noticed a classmate was disturbing the monument to those who died in 9-11 attacks. 
It was placed there by our school's college Republicans organization, and since I'm a part of the group, I immediately contacted group members and notified the police. Thankfully, the police came soon after, and another student began confronting the individual. So I walked up to him calmly and began recording. I didn't want to say much to him, though, because I didn't want to escalate the situation, and I wanted the police to handle it. Yeah. And they did. Well, here's what that's... Sorry to interrupt you. Here's what that student says. Quote, I had no intention of removing the flags from the Mudfield area. My planned protest was to place the bags of flags on Mudfield along with various statistics explaining the human cost of 9-11 in the past 20 years. I did not deface, destroy, damage, nor steal any flags, nor did I interfere with any registered event time. What is your response to that? I think that his action was inappropriate, and thankfully the school agrees with me. The fact is that each and every one of those flags was for somebody who died in those terrorist attacks. Disturbing them for any sort of protest on that day was inappropriate. And what's the school doing now? What did they say? Right. So after the police collected the flags from the individual, they gave them back to the conservative group, and every single one of those flags were planted by the end of the day. But not just that, the school sent out an email to us, all of us students, and Chancellor Martin said that what happened was inappropriate. I appreciate that. Yeah, and Washington University of St. Louis says, quote, we were disappointed to learn about the disruption to the 9-11 display. We condemn the interference with the expression of support by the college Republicans for the victims of the national tragedy that took place 20 years ago today. What is the takeaway from this situation? Because obviously you posted this online. It got a lot of attention, a lot of people responding to it. So what's your takeaway now? My takeaway is always stand for what's right. It's, it, it was wrong what happened on 9-11 when the individual disturbed those flags. And I believe that if we speak up, if we show the world injustice, that the right thing will happen. In this case, he will be disciplined appropriately. Were you surprised when you saw this? I bet it was one of those things where you just couldn't believe what you were seeing. As an American, I was speechless. I mean, the only thing I could do was just record and watch and just be so disappointed and let the police handle the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Nathaniel Hope, thank you so much for waking up early, for joining us this morning and, and sharing that story. Appreciate your time. Of course, Jillian. Thank, thank you, you all. Yep. The number one most shocking thing about that story is the fact that no matter what you believe about 9-11, um, because there's there's conspiracy theories that it was an inside job or that even if it wasn't, that we went to war overseas for the wrong reasons. Everybody has varying opinions on this topic. But what cannot be denied is that we were attacked by terrorists on September 11th, 2001, and that 2,700 people died. So regardless of how you feel about exactly what happened out of 9-11 or how it happened, you should still have respect for the people that died, and disturbing a memorial like this is unacceptable behavior. The reality is that if um, a Republican or conservative dismantled a democratic display or a liberal display the way this young man did it would be all over the mainstream news 
it would be nonstop talked about for a week or two. But I actually had to go hunting for this video after I saw it the first time. Because it was not widely talked about. He didn't get a ton of exposure to talk about this issue. And the fact of the matter is, if you listen closely, you find that the person that did this was a college senator at Washington University of St. Louis. So he was somebody in leadership, and he chose to do this. And as I said, it matters not what the circumstances of 9-11 were in this particular instance. Because no matter why those people died, they still died and they are worthy of our respect. Now, I think it's crazy that we go from the 12th of September 2001 where everybody was basically unified in being American to this where we can't even honor those Americans without stirring up controversy. I think that's ridiculous. But I think it's important for us to have the proper perspective and that perspective is that 2,700 people died and they need to be respected. Now I had seen online this morning that this person was suspended, disciplined, and that's a good thing. But can I also comment on the restraint of the young man who took the video? And you can tell that he's cool, calm, and collected in real life just by the way that he did this interview. Uh, Because he wasn't angry. He was, matter of fact, um, the video didn't go viral because he had a knockdown, drag out fight or a argument war with this young man. And so I really think Nathaniel Hope is the kind of person that you want to emulate. And I hope that he continues to be involved in his culture and possibly in the political process. That's the kind of person that we need. Well, the campaign for governor in California for the recall election is ramping up. Um, By the time you hear this, they will have already voted in California. I don't know how long it will take to render a verdict, but Larry Elder, uh, in the past week, was touring a homeless encampment in Venice Beach, California, and he was actually attacked by a woman in a gorilla mask Meanwhile, you know, out in California, one of the reasons there's a recall is because people were so incensed with how Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, he locked down everything. Larry Elder currently is the leading contender to take his job, although the polls do show, if you believe the polls, show that uh, Newsom is slightly ahead. Yesterday, Larry Elder took his so-called recall express to Venice Beach, and what happened there was so astounding, we had to show you. Uh, So keep in mind, he's there, and there is a woman in a gorilla mask throwing an egg at him. She punched a guy who told her to stop. She she, She yelled, take your hands off me, you... 
expletive. Touch me again, touch me again. She then aimed a left hook at the man. Security guard then menaced another guy wearing all black before a second woman uh, was slapped. By the, woman, by the way, the woman right there who uh, slugs that guy with the left hook, she's on a smart bike. Uh, I'm looking at the L.A. Times story on this. Larry Elder cut short Venice homeless encampment tour uh, after a hostile confrontation. Yeah, leave early. You don't see the woman in the mask. You just see a guy throwing a punch. And I guess oh, it's right, Larry Elder's fault because he showed up because obviously the people of Venice Beach uh, have been tortured by the rise of homelessness and the welcoming committee that Gavin Newsom has given homelessness around this Everyone nation. Everyone who's homeless, come to California, he, he says. Said this it. is what Larry Elder tweeted this out. He said, today I got kicked off the Recall Express bus tour. Before we even left Los Angeles, my security detail was physically assaulted, shot with a pellet gun, and hit with projectiles. The intolerant left will not stop us. We will recall Gavin Newsom. We will save California. And Candace Owens was interviewed about this. Brian was on last night filling in for Tucker, and he talked to her and listened to what she said. Absolutely infuriating. I know Larry Elder. He's a friend. He's a mentor. Uh, he's on the board of, of, of the Blexit Foundation, which is my foundation. And let me say, tell you something right now. If this is on the other side, if a white woman wearing a monkey mask uh, threw an egg at a black Democratic candidate, this would be wall-to-wall -wall coverage. And actually, this might actually constitute a hate crime in Los Angeles. We need to find out exactly who this woman is. She needs to be arrested, and she should be charges need to be brought because this is, this is absolutely criminal and disgusting, and it might be racist. I'm unsure why she was wearing the monkey mask. I have no idea why she was wearing it, but I'd like to see more information about that. Now, I edited the clip for the sake of my younger listeners, but if you want to view the full clip, I will have the link on my blog post at speakingforhim.blogspot.com so you can check that out. Um, but basically, what we have here is a situation where a disgruntled person who most likely is not homeless because she was, as was pointed out in the clip, riding an e-bike, comes and dressed in a gorilla mask, throws an egg at Larry Elder and starts shouting obscenities when she's told to desist in her horrible behavior. And she also threw a punch at the guy who confronted her. Now, there's a couple interesting things about this. The first is that I'm very surprised, I shouldn't be necessarily, but I'm very surprised that there was no um, police intervention in this situation. Um, it feels like there should have been police nearby because Larry, as a major candidate for uh, governor, would face this sort of thing. And then also, as you heard in the clip, the way that they mentioned this incident in the LA Times had nothing to do with the woman who instigated the incident. It was just mentioned as an alleged incident. And so I just wanted to share this because it shows the one-sided nature of certain news reporting. And so I've been watching this race closely. I really hope that Larry Elder um, becomes the next governor of California who knows what will actually happen, but I know that whatever does happen, God is in control. We have had for the last nine months, especially, the access to various COVID-19 vaccines. And from the very beginning of this process, people were debating whether you should take the vaccine, how safe will it be, 
what what are the ramifications of taking a vaccine? You know, Donald Trump worked hard to get it pushed through, um, and there was just a lot of discussion on both sides. And in the beginning of this process, some people started to say immediately, take the vaccine, be responsible, and then other people said, I'm not taking the vaccine. There hasn't been enough research put into it. I don't know what it's going to do, so I'm going to at least wait. And some people said, I'm not going to take the vaccine. And one of the things I said fairly early on in the vaccine debate was this. Why can't both be true? Why can't it be dangerous for some people and advantageous for others. Because the reality is that no matter how good a medicine or a vaccine is, there will always be risks. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions while taking or after stopping Chantix. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, you develop suicidal thoughts or actions stop taking chantix and call your doctor right away talk to your doctor about any history of depression or other mental health problems which can get worse while taking chantix some people can have allergic or serious skin reactions to chantix some of which can be life-threatening if you notice swelling of face mouth throat or a rash stop taking chantix and see your doctor right away tell your doctor which medicines you're taking as they may work differently when you quit smoking chantix dosing may be different if you have kidney problems the most common side effect is nausea Patients also reported trouble sleeping and vivid, unusual, or strange dreams. Until you know how Chantix may affect you, use caution when driving or operating machinery. Chantix should not be taken with other quit-smoking products. Call your doctor if you have high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion to address a possible life-threatening condition, or if you have uncontrollable muscle movements, as these could become permanent. High blood sugar has been reported with Abilify and medicines like it. In some cases, extreme high blood sugar can lead to coma or death. Other risks include decreases in white blood cells, which can be serious, dizziness upon standing, seizures, trouble swallowing, and impaired judgment or motor skills. Use of benzoyl peroxide with axone gel may cause your skin to temporarily turn yellow or orange at the site of application. The most common side effects with axone gel are dryness, redness, oiliness, and peeling of treated skin. You notice in this clip, you just hear drug company after drug company giving you the pitch for their drug. All of these symptoms and side effects come from a commercial that is pitching the drug and saying you should try this drug to make your situation better. And yet they are listing long lists of side effects that could happen. And some of them even include death. Some of them say the circumstances under which you should not take said medicine. And most of them had years and years of clinical trials before they ever came before the public. So why is it that it's unreasonable to expect the same thing from a COVID-19 vaccine. That we would have a rundown of the possible side effects, possibly even a long rundown 
Like I said, some of these commercials have an extremely long rundown of the side effects, but yet they're still recommending that you try this drug. Why? Because it works for some people. So I don't think the argument is necessarily about the fact that no one should take the vaccine, but rather the fact that you should be shamed for not taking the vaccine is inappropriate. And it's also inappropriate because we have a situation where the vaccine has only been on the market for less than a year, and yet we're, we're telling people that it's completely safe, and whenever somebody says, I did react to the vaccine, social media outlets like Facebook fact-check those opinions. When in reality, everyone's opinions and their actual stories of taking the vaccine should be respected. To me, that's the bottom line. And for a president of the United States to go public and say, I'm going to demand that private companies who are over 100 employees require vaccines or weekly COVID tests is just an extreme overreach of authority. You notice none of these COVID measures that people have been talking about for months have gone through the legislative process. Governors just decide to shut down businesses. Governors decide to impose mask mandates. The president says uh, certain things and says that they should be the way things are. We have whole voting uh, processes that came up supposedly under the guise of emergency COVID need. And then... uh, they just expected them to continue in perpetuity for all future elections. And then when states like Texas say, no, those were not permanent measures, they were not legal measures, let's codify this to make sure it doesn't happen again, then they are accused of taking away voting rights. That is a problem in our country as we talked about last week with the Texas heartbeat bill and the fact that a, that a decision by nine men in robes carries more weight than a decision made by the entire Texas legislature, which by the way, included several women. Today's main topic for our consideration is the myth that we can be better or rise higher without Christ. Now, obviously, Jesus wants us to be better every day. The Apostle Paul writes about how God conforms us to the image of his Son. His Son, Jesus, was and is the only perfect one, and we should aspire to be more and more like him each day. So becoming better, rising higher, is not in itself a bad goal. But we cannot uh, achieve it 
on our own. We need intervention from God himself. So I decided today to look at strength from a biblical perspective. And to start, let's look at our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in this passage, we see that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did not die for us because there was something good in us. Christ died for us because without him, we would be hopeless. He died for his enemies. In John chapter 15, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. But how much greater is God's love in the fact that he laid down his life for his very enemies? So, as we look at strength today, the first thing that I want to talk about is we have strength because God is with us. This is from Joshua chapter 1. Of course, uh, Moses had died, and now Joshua is going to be the head of the entire nation of Israel. I'm sure that he was kind of shaking in his boots. So God tells him several times in Joshua chapter 1 to be of good courage. And this is one of those times. In Joshua one nine, he says, Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And in the New Testament, we read that God hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So we know that we can have strength because God is with us. That is so important. The strength does not come from ourselves. We are weak. We are um, unable to to accomplish anything. And as a matter of fact, apart from the Holy Spirit of God, we are dead. So the dead are the weakest of all. We have all the strength we need through Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Now I think it's important for us to point out that God didn't call us to do all things. He called us to do specific things for him. And those things that he has called us to and equipped us for, he will give us the strength to do them through himself. Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. So we need to keep this in perspective um, because I think that we can kind of get off track if we look at the, the talents and the gifts and the callings that other people have, and we automatically assume, well, if if I am in Christ, I can do that thing. No, we have to remember that we can do that which God calls us to. We are all individual parts of the body, and we, if we work together, then the body functions properly. God takes pleasure in working through weakness. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Psalm 147, 
10 and 11. Every once in a while, and I guess more often as I go through this Christian life, I will come across a passage that affects me so much that I go back to it over and over again. And this is one of those passages because it tells me who is very physically weak that God will take pleasure in me if I fear him. He will take pleasure in me and use me if I trust him, if I give him my life. He's not looking for the person who has it all together. He's looking for the person who he can use and get the credit. That's why he said to Abraham, you're going to be a great nation, and then he made Sarah barren. He said to Isaac, you are going to be a great nation, and he made Rebekah barren. He did this because he will often give us an impossible task do it through us anyway, and then he's able to get the credit. This is so important for us to remember. God's strength brings us from dead to alive. That might be the most important thing we talk about today. I alluded to it earlier when I said that without Christ we are dead, and dead people have no strength at all. I think a lot of times we just need to get the proper perspective on things because we tend to believe the modern lie that we have certain strength in ourselves. And yes, we may need God for a little bit of what we're going through, but not for all of it. But we need to realize that he makes dead people alive. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 4-7. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So there's a lot here, but I just want to focus on the fact that he quickened us together with Christ. We were dead in our sins. He quickened us together with Christ. He raised us together and made us sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We did not have the power to do that on our own. He had to do it. He had to stand in the gap because we were dead. So the life that we now live, as Paul relates in Galatians, is the life that we live by faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Very important thing to remember. And then finally, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm pretty sure we've talked a little bit about this as we've gone through this series as well. But it bears repeating that happiness and joy, while they are linked, they are not the same thing. Even when we are going through a struggle and happiness is hard to find, we can still have joy in the Lord. 
as we do his will. In Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now in Nehemiah, we have the story laid out for us of Nehemiah being sad before the king, and then the king says, why are you sad? And Nehemiah says, the walls of my city are broken down, and he basically asks for a leave of absence that he might repair the city walls. And then, believe it or not, there is opposition to this, and so there are points in the story where he's basically holding a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other, and he's trying to keep his people safe as they are rebuilding the wall. And this is what he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So, sometimes, it should be all the time, but some specific times, really feel like we've come to the end of our strength. But we keep going. Why? Because the Lord sustains us. On a radio show recently, somebody said when they start to feel bad about their life and that it's hard and impossible, they remember that they've gotten through each and every one of the bad days they've gone through so far. So as far as surviving those days, they are batting a thousand. And so that's a good perspective for us to have as we continue on through this Christian life. And I hope you notice as we've gone through a lot of these topics that the things that they bring up in and of themselves are not wrong. God wants us to be strong. God wants us to be better than we were yesterday. But the key for us to remember is that the strength, the ability is not in ourselves, but is in God. And I think that that is something that we all need to remember and consider on a regular basis. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Well, that's about all I have for you today. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode and that if you are gaining blessing from these episodes that you will share them with family and friends. And that's how we grow the audience. That's how more people uh, get involved in what we are doing here on Speaking for Him. With that, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 